I can't agree more. I think there is a lot of point, interesting point also I would like to highlight. First thing when you take the choice that, oh, I have to work in that and it's breaking you and other woman and you have to take a risk in an academic world, I think that's something nowadays we still struggle with when you have a new ideas and we see in some debates, for example, simulation to reality, for example, there are group against new ideas that may be undermine their whole history of research and it's like a gatekeeping as well that's something we have already and maybe it's a human nature you wanted to keep what you're doing mm-hmm. so and that's something we witness so how how you overcome that uh, do you think it is about having a network a support network or or an institution because sometimes uh, but- it is hard Oh, it is hard a lot of the time. And and you're exactly right. I couldn't agree more. I think any system uh, is designed to perpetuate itself. And that means the people in the system are only familiar with people who are like them, right? And that, you know, that results in all kinds of things, right? And we're wired for implicit bias, and people only recognize success in those who are like themselves. And so all of these forces conspire. Um, and taking risks makes people nervous, right? So in research, as much as we're supposed to be coming up with new and original ideas, often, yes, you should be coming up with new and original ideas, but those ideas need to kind of look like these other ideas that we're familiar with that get published in these three places, which are approved as the best places to publish. And I think that's very, it's very limiting. And so, first of all, it's easier for people who are more senior to be truly innovative. Um, certainly in my case, I, I formed a new field, but I only did it after tenure. I couldn't do it before tenure because before tenure, everybody said, oh, don't write a book. You need to focus on this and this and this, right? And so I got a lot of advice about being more conventional in order to more easily get tenure, mm-hmm. which was still important to me because I was a woman and I didn't want to be yet another woman that, you know, gets pushed out of the system. Okay, so that- you you have to kind of play along enough yeah. to to get your foot in the door but then as soon as your foot's in the door you have to stop playing along and i think that's the problem some people forget they get so absorbed in the system that they continue to play the game mm-hmm. um and so you know as an example i'm always the person who says things like no we're not going to have a meeting at eight in the morning because we we need to take care of our kids and then a lot of the people in the group often men will say oh my gosh thank you for saying that i need to take care of my kid but i didn't feel comfortable saying it so you have discrimination working in all directions. Surprisingly, it's not just, it's affecting everybody, but people are not willing to speak because they are in some sense seen as being part of the in-group. So how do you deal with that? Yes, you're right, you need a support structure. But I also think that what really helps is find finding compelling um, reasons why we push for the things we push. So again, I know I'm not trying to make it simpler than it is, but in, for example, starting a new field, the, the thing that I found to be comp- particularly compelling is you find the people who benefit from it and you let them speak for it, mm-hmm. right? So you know, if you want to develop, let's say, a robot for, for children with autism, it doesn't really work for me to trumpet how wonderful it will be. You instead talk to children and families who have had some experience with this and they can come back and say, oh, hey, this really you know changed my life in a positive way because they're the true advocates. They're the, the true experts. And I think... I think that's lost in, in, in technology in general and in research as well, which is that people get so separate from the real world. They work in their lab, they work in their, you know, with their headset on. They're not thinking 
of the people for whom they're actually creating. Um, And that's unfortunate that that's why we get a lot of failed products. And that's why we get a lot of people who could have a real purposeful mission, but instead they're just kind of, they're kind of like on a little treadmill, just going along without really grounding in the real world. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very beautiful. I, I would like to stop here as well, because you said something when you accept any job and you don't know what could be the impact. I think in all in other way you mean about to find a purpose, why you're doing what you're doing. And that's very interesting. And you said something, we are isolated. And to be honest, uh, I can relate to that sometimes when you stay in, in the lab long hours and disconnected f- from the real world. So if I ask you, there's many, many points you highlighted. For example, as well, you can't take a risk unless you're uh, maybe tenured. And, and that's something make the younger researchers sometimes they don't have the freedom to express different ideas. And that's something also we have. So if I ask you the question is how we can fix this issue? Do you think academia in general have to be changed in different ways in terms of funding or maybe policy as well how you think this can be changed this game changed yeah that's a really good question and in fact it, it, i'm frustrated with my own recommendation of kind of waiting a little bit because i hate waiting myself and it was yeah. very hard for me to wait but you you don't want to get like you, you have to get far enough along in order to really change the system i do think things are changing though because again as we get more diversity in the system mm-hmm. for example you know uh you know at, at my own year university, we just now are at 50% women students in engineering. That's a major achievement. That just means, and I don't want to talk only about women, but it's one obvious thing, you know, like if the world is half women, why don't we have half women in everything? Mm -hmm. But we don't, but why don't we? There's really no good reason for it. Everything is, every reason against it is something cultural and biased, right? And yet it's such an ongoing struggle. But as we change that in specific niches, a lot of things change because people talk differently, behave differently, they see success in others, they, they suddenly, you know, suddenly now when you're surrounded by others, more like yourself, then you don't have to wait, right to be yourself. And I think that's the trade off, right? When there's a tiny minority, we wait a bit longer. But then we still break out. But when you're not in a tiny minority, you keep fueling it and getting it bigger, and then you can act more and sooner. Uh, But you have to act and you have to act all along. Um, and I do think there are many different personal styles, right? So some people are much more, so some people are very good at being politically smooth and they get support to do what they want to do. And I see great wisdom in that, but it is not a wisdom I have, or it's not a wisdom I accept. It's just not how I am. I'm not very patient and I'm very blunt. And uh, that, for example, is not a strategy that works uh, if you're in the minority and you're young, but when you're senior and have earned your stripes, then you were allowed to be more blunt. Yeah. But, you know, as a woman, I mean, even now, I, I'm told things like, oh, you should be less blunt. And I always turn around and say, have you ever said that to a guy? Because if you take any sentence and you swip, switch to gender or the ethnicity, whatever, and if it doesn't sound right, then you know it's wrong. Yeah, I agree. With you. But it happens, it happens all the time. And then the other thing I would recommend is when these things happen, sometimes people, sometimes people are just kind of chugging along in their comfort zone and they don't even mean to be as um, as negative and discriminatory as they're being. And sometimes it's good to draw their attention to it, but in a way that doesn't punish them because if you punish them, then they just go the other way. They just dislike you as the source of the message and don't want to hear the message. So sometimes I'll use humor when people say something totally inappropriate instead of 
just taking it or saying, well, that's terribly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I might use some you know, humorous thing. I remember distinctly many years ago, somebody told me I was getting a lot of grants and I had just had a, a child. And so they said, oh, we should just keep you barefoot and pregnant. And so I said, wow, that is so great. I love that. I should sue you for saying that. What do you think? Um, but I was joking, yeah. but I wasn't joking. And you could bet that they, you know, we laughed it off, but I don't think that ever that person ever made that kind of a joke. Certainly not with me and probably not with anyone else because, right, it was like diffusing the situation while trying to get them to understand that this is not a thing to do. And because people are people, just kind of hitting them over the head with their wrongness doesn't unfortunately work. And that's hard for me because I want to just tell them. Mm. But it's not always the, the most straightforward way. And learning that lesson can take a while. I can't agree more. You learn the hard way. I agree with you.